Hello guys, my name is Rafa Cornejo and welcome to today's podcast. <clears throat> Today we will be discussing discrimination, racism, and being culturally mixed, as well as talking about institutional racism. We will talk about our intake from the readings on this section's authors. And today's uh, invited guest is Bryant Cole. Yo, what's up? Um, today we're going to be speaking about what Raphael said, you know, our takeaways from it and our opinions and the lasting impacts of racism in our society. So, Brian, I must, today I'm going to start off by uh, asking you five questions. Right. And, and so these are the questions I'm going to ask you. Question number one, how does Gloria Ansaldua feel about the borderlands? Well, when she talks about the borderlands, she kind of incorporates two different things, not only about her culture and being mixed with um, American and uh, Mexican, but also um, where she lives, you know? Yeah, because, you know, the borderlands, uh, it's, it's a very important place that's, like, culturally mixed, especially because you... You see a lot of people like crossing the borderlands from like many different countries, not just Mexico, but like Central America, um, South America, the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, how many people from Haiti were during the um, hurricane were coming in through that through the southern border. So it's a place where it's just culturally mixed between so many cultures. Mm-hmm. Not just that, but like how she drew inspiration from the borderlands and how how she in a way not suffered but the discrimination she got from being culturally mixed inspired her to inspire others. Mm-hmm. Okay, well second question. What does Gloria say about machismo and how did it affect her person affect her personality or her personally? Um I think she talked about how her dad was controlling over her, but she didn't like that because of her background of what she thought machismo represented and she wanted to become her own person. So she basically did away with the whole machismo thing and just started to um, pursue her dreams with writing. She eventually became a teacher. Well, first she became a teacher to inspire others. Then she wrote a book to inspire more people. And it's kind of sad that, like, in today's world, we still see machismo affecting our Hispanic culture, mm-hmm. how like men are very controlling, like of like every daily thing that happens on in their life, like the family's life. So, I'm glad that she stood up against it and basically mm-hmm. inspired others that you know know that life is you know hard and yeah. you're you know or surrounded by all this toxicity and negativity but you could still push on and do something great and I'm glad she did that because 
she has inspired many people, mm-hmm. especially a lot of Latinos and Hispanics to stand up, to make a difference. Yeah, it's something that's really prominent in uh, Hispanic culture, too. With the men All right. Mm-hmm. All right, so I'm going to go with the third question. Uh, in this one, um, this is uh, a totally new section from, from the authors. Uh, this one's discussing Afrofuturism. As okay. you know, what Afrofuturism is, it's the idea of creating a better world um, mm-hmm. that is more diverse, specifically being diverse with people of color, uh, such as like African-Americans. Mm-hmm. So the question here is, what do followers of Af- Afrofuturism believe in? What, what is their goal? I think their angle is diversity and empowerment. I think what they're trying to do is painting, painting um, African Americans or just Africans in general in a more prominent light, positive light. And we can even see this in the um, movie industry, for example, with different movies that paint black people in a leading role, a positive leading role. People like Will Smith. Um, who else is there? There's Will Smith. The guy um, that was in Blade. Oh, yeah, the guy in Texas, Wesley Smith. Wesley Snipes, is that his name? Chip, um, what, um, well, I forgot his name, but it's the actor that currently passed away. Uh, he played a Black Panther. I forgot his name. Henry Bosley? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, one of the Basically, and inspired too many people, mm-hmm. especially kids, who are big fans of Black Panther. Yeah, he inspired a lot of people, and he will. He inspired even more people now that you know, he passed away. Stuff so. like such prominent actors like them have created an impact, mm-hmm. in in um in in the media, in Hollywood, mm-hmm. by you know showing their message through their movies, inspiring kids of color that they too can, you know, make a change. If they did it, they can also do it. Mm-hmm. And that's what we need. We need more inspiring actors or just people in general, authors, anyone. To inspire uh, others. Not even and this, yeah, yeah. people in general. And so that leads me to my fourth question. What do you think are the current steps that they're um, cur- the current steps that they're taking to ensure that their goal is achieved? Afro futurists, yeah, Afro futurists. I think what they're trying to do today is using the media because the media is probably the biggest platform we have right now to convey our messages. You know, through movies, um, skits even other people through like YouTube and different things like that, um, Instagram. Social different media, Different yeah. forms of art. Different forms of art to convey their messages. It doesn't even have to be um, um, the way Afrofuturistic messages. Even through, even 
even in gaming, I've noticed that many storylines, uh, story-based games have have had like stories which are mm-hmm. like black people are the main protagonist. Mm-hmm. Uh, such like I think in the upcoming, like no, not upcoming game. I don't remember, but I know for sure that they've made a big impact on gaming as well, making mm-hmm. it more diverse, more accepting, making it a more a better community. Yeah, man. Um, gaming is real big, and if they can put um, an African American in that Afrofuturistic light, where they're taking on that leading role, it definitely um, inspire others. And lastly, why do you think many schools around Arizona are implementing a no speaking Spanish in the classroom? Do you think that they are afraid? Or do you think that the reasoning is based more on just wanting to control or, you know, based off on race? Just what do you think? I think in the way that they're combining both factors, they're afraid. And what was the other one you said? Or they're just, you know, trying to control how their schools are, you know. They, I'd say they're just angry. They don't want diversity. They don't want their children to just be with people who are different from them. Yeah, I think they're both afraid and discriminatory towards these people. Because I don't think they're trying to more move to more progressive action, but they're trying to take steps backwards because they don't want to um, mix their kids with these uh, other kids that speak Spanish, which is actually wrong. That's real bad. That is especially because uh, I don't think that should be allowed. I'm pretty sure, for me, in my opinion, I think it should be encouraged for kids to speak other languages because mm-hmm. the more languages you speak the better opportunities you have mm-hmm. you know especially if you're bilingual you have a higher chance of being um hired because you can communi- communicate with people from different backgrounds who speak different languages well, that's funny now you think about it though. that's like unconstitutional it is and apparently this is happening in a lot of schools in Arizona because um, this is actually based off an observation by this professor from from UCR who noticed that um, they were implementing these class rules. And uh, yeah, like you said, I'm pretty sure this is unconstitutional. Yeah. <clears throat> actually, not bad. Is that the last question? And, yeah, that was the last question. Okay. Well, I got some questions here, bro. Do you want to continue on, or do you want to ask them first? Um, yeah, you could ask them now. Okay. So my first question revolves around Gloria Anzaldúa, and it goes like, "What was the most inspirational? What was most inspirational about Gloria Anzaldúa's writing style?" For me, what was the most inspirational writing style was how she expressed herself to to the public of <clears throat> what mixed people go through 
here in America, especially in the borderlands. Uh, going back to the fifth question that I asked you, mm-hmm. um, many of these kids who go to these schools in Arizona are obviously cro- culturally mixed. They both speak English and Spanish. Mm-hmm. And these people, these kids, you know, they get harassed for it. They they basically are kind of outed out, you know, seen as kind of like different. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's what she tried to express in her writings that um, like that subject they go through, like they're getting, you know, bullied for, for being just different. And they just, those kids feel like they don't have, you know, a, somewhere to lean on. They can't lean on their own culture because their own culture also, you know, doesn't accept them for who they are. And, you know, they're, like, stuck in between two walls. And she explains that that's how she, I feel like she expresses herself. Yeah. Like, um, what's it called? You know, how she talked about, like, in, in her, in her um, article, how she talks about uh, Chicanos creating their own culture their own like society following their like new social norms based on both like ideologies from the from both like anglo and hispanic mm-hmm. uh ideas yeah and creating into like a totally new and unique one mm-hmm. i guess that's how you know i feel like like um she's trying to say that um we could be part of something new basically find our identity in a totally new group You know what I mean, right? Yeah, because I feel the same way. And I know a lot of people do that are mixed with different cultures. They can't just conform to one because they're also mixed with the other one. They're a combination of both. Mm-hmm. And that's what's special about it. There's a lot of people that are like that. They're trying to find like their identity. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people have already started like especially back since you know her work was like mainly published back in the 80s so a lot of people can at least know that there's something out there that you can be part of and not feel confused anymore like that you're all by yourself to know that there's more people like you going through the same situation there's a lot of people well um my next question is what do you think you'll remember the most from her? Um, what would I remember most from her? Let's see. I guess I, what I re- would remember the most about her is the fact that she inspired people. Mm-hmm. She, she expressed, like I said, going back to the first one, she expressed her, her, like she expressed that she was self, ex, ex, uh, self exploring herself, trying to figure out her identity, mm-hmm. and you know I guess that's like the like she and ah, hold up hold up let me think about it this, uh, this is a tough question this is a tough question is that what you kind of meant like you know how she became a teacher 
And then after that, she became an activist. Mm -hmm. I guess that's like what I would say. It's what... Hold up. What was the main question? I'm lost right now. (laughs) What do you think you remember the most? Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. No, yeah. So, um... I would remember the fact that she she started like in her writings expressing that you're not alone and that there's a lot, like a lot of people like you. Mm-hmm. So she was I guess the first one to basically bring this to attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my next question is do you think we're moving towards a more diverse society or a more divided society? Mm, this is a tough one, too. Um, I would say I think we're heading towards a like more diverse society, especially since, since um, you know, how back in the 1960s during the civil rights, they pushed for this and, you know, how we, we won the civil rights. And in the 80s, I remember of watching a film, uh, the civil rights movement starting to push for, for, for buses, for bus, buses um, taking kids, bus zones, kids basically taking kids from one side of the city to another one to take them to a, a school that was literally across the city to make it more diverse. So basically... There was like no longer these zones between rich and poor. It, it just meant that they the buses could literally go across the city to a, the richer side of the city and bring kids from like the poorer class to that side. And, you know, now we see that in our school, especially here in California, we see that there's many cultures in, in a high school. Of course, we still see that many schools are Many school districts are still trying to push for for the end of the school bus for the school bus um, transfers mm-hmm. because they no longer want to you know they don't want their kids being with other kids who are different from them or sometimes they also base it off like economic background mm-hmm. because they feel like they're funding the schools. And, like, the other people are barely paying any. And yeah. so they just want to create their own school district. So I feel, in a way, it's more diverse. Yeah, we're still having these same problems that we had back then. But in total, and just in general, I feel like, yeah, we're more diverse. Okay. Yeah, I feel the same way. I feel like we do have these, like, little bumps. Or not even little bumps, really big bumps. But we're still moving forward with the ultimate goal of becoming a diverse society. I think that's where we're going. I mean, and obviously, this, to... and of course, this is evident because um, I remember in the film, it showed the classes from like the 1950s, 1960s, 1970s, and obviously, the classes were majority white in all the yearbooks. And all the sports teams, and going from the na- the nineteen eighties and up, we start seeing uh, more African Americans, and then later on the nineteen nineties, we start seeing 
more people being from different backgrounds, like Asians, uh, Hispanics. So you're seeing a more diverse group. It's kind of like just mixed. It's no longer like, oh, what's the big percentage here? Sometimes it's like equal mm-hmm. or, you know, but the thing is, you obviously see that there's obviously more diversity compared to how it really was back then. Like the majority is no longer white. It's kind of split between either Hispanics, blacks or Hispanics and whites. So, yeah. Yeah. It is becoming more diverse, like you said. We're moving for that. It's a lot different than it was. Well, I think that was my last question for now. Then we can move along. Talk about something else that we've planned out. Um, what do you have in mind? Um, maybe the patterns from the reading responses, like what we've noticed from them. Okay. So we could talk about, um, reading response 16, what a time to be alive by Jeff Chang. Mm -hmm. Um, in his reading, he talks about Jonathan Butler, a student at, I forgot the name of the university, but at a, at a college where the majority of the people there were white and he, and how he was harassed by being the only person of color in that campus and how he took to the, <clears throat> took to the college staff and bring it to their attention that the school needs to be more diverse. And he didn't obviously achieve this just by doing that. He had to take to the streets, all afraid, obviously, because he still suffered threats. But he was willing to actually create a change. And he actually achieved it. He created um, a club for newcomers to the university mm-hmm. who, were, uh, who were people of color to feel, you know, part of the school so you know that's something really interesting to learn about learn like what he did how he took to the streets he took to social media to bring attention that um these universities were still um predominantly white and how that needed to obviously be changed and obviously, the school, after much, uh, after like much protest and people taking to social media, obviously created changes to be more, you know, diverse mm-hmm. and inclusive. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I remember that. It was a good reading. I liked how he um, pointed out how. Um, was a revolution is necessary? A revolution oh, is necessary. Oh, yeah, something like that. Yeah, that um, protest revolved around... Oh, it was something that he said, I remember. Are you sure that wasn't from the Black Lives Matter? No, it was from there, huh? Yeah, I remember the other article mentioned something similar. That, like, to create change... Mm-hmm. You had to have a revolution. 
because they were calling them like delinquents or like they're calling like liberals who just wanted like things to act in their favor. Am I bad for that? I was talking. Did you hear me? Yeah, I heard you. How they wanted things to act in their favor. But then Jeff Chang pointed out that this wasn't true and that these kids just wanted to see um, change happening in their university. No, yeah. I I don't know. I don't think it was the Black Lives Matter movement, but um, uh, it was it was earlier, and I think it was like the last topic. I forgot her name, but how I remember Mr. Osborne showing us the video of um this lady. She was in the readings. I forgot her name, but she was talking about like the Black Panthers, how they were um basically calling them a terrorist and stuff. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Black Panthers didn't do you know the best for change, but they were just trying to create change mm-hmm. in a country that discriminated and still killed people of color. And obviously their reaction to it was with violence. Obviously that wasn't the best thing, but they couldn't just like, they couldn't just stand there and do nothing. And so what she said that this was more of a revolution and she obviously said the revolutions are obviously not illegal. That obviously um, people throughout history have caused revolutions to make their point to create change. Mm, yeah. It's not a terrorist attack. It's just they're exercising their rights. Because they didn't arm themselves. And I mean, yeah, the rights, I mean, through violence, but they're just well, that's a tough one to, you know, argue, but I, I kind of understood what she was trying to say, that obviously the way to prove a point across was through a revolution. Yeah. In this way. And um, another article I liked from this unit was, um, what was it called? It was that one that highlighted revolutions throughout 250 years. Here it is. Um, it was United States of Protest, a, civil, a Citizen's Guide to 250 Years of Resistance. Now, I really like this one because um, it pointed out how protesting was, she pointed out that protesting was ingrained in United States history. And even today, we can still see protests just like it was in the 1700s and even before. And it all funded, it's all founded by the idea that there's an oppressive group violating someone's rights, denying someone's rights. And the people feel as though change needs to happen. And something that's always happened, it's always gonna happen too. That's something I found kind of interesting about that that article. Yeah, when I started reading the article, I actually thought they were talking about like a sit-in, like how it mentioned in the article. And then it said if you obviously were keeping up with the news, this obviously took place in Starbucks mm-hmm. in 2018. And that like that was a shocker because they obviously didn't do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. They were just arrested just based off their skin color because 
the manager was prejudiced and believed that they were, you know, criminals, even though they weren't doing nothing wrong. And obviously, these, like you said, this is still going to happen even in the future because people will always, you know, have these views which are like downgraded towards other people. They always think or act in ways that hurt others in a way. Deny mm-hmm. them of their freedom or their rights or anything else that is in a way infringe them. But like the good thing about it is that um, the CEO of Starbucks actually made an official apology of the incident. So I guess that's progress. Of course, this would have not happened in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're moving towards that. More progressive action. But even makes you um, think, bro, like, did he just do that because he was, like, losing money? Uh, The manager? Or was it the CEO? Oh no, the CEO no no the CEO just made an apology of because because of the incident. Like it wasn't him. It was the manager at the local Starbucks who kicked him out and you know how this became viral. So obviously this came to the attention of the CEO and he obviously made the, an apology because of that. Cuz obviously this shouldn't be happening at you know Starbucks. Oh, I see that man. Some people do that, though. It's kind of messed up. I mean, yeah, you never know his real intentions. He probably just also wanted to do it for attention. Who knows? Yeah, who knows, man. But even... Oh, never mind. <laughs> what I was going to say was, um, is there anything else that you like? kind of liked about this unit? Um. Well, right now I'm looking at other... Articles, other reading responses. Because one thing I've uh-huh. noticed is like throughout all the reading responses, they offered like insight, personal opinions, or like evidence on topics of racism, which is something that was pretty cool. Well, if I'm not wrong. I think we already went through all the reading responses we did. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they call you a terrorist, Afrofuturism, the 250 years of resistance. What does it mean, like all of them? Like from all the units? But I guess I could add something to, to Afrofuturism. <clears throat> like I was saying earlier, um, going back to, um, the mainstream media it's um kind of like interesting to know that minority groups are getting more representation representation in in um television movies um video games and all these sorts of like different outlets you know mm-hmm. So you're seeing more and more representation of uh, black people, Hispanic people, where they're taking uh, main roles, where 
like not like not so long ago, even like in this time and age, most of the like main roles were still reserved for white people. But recently, more and more and more people from minority backgrounds are taking these main roles, like in television, like in mm-hmm. movies and video games. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's actually something very interesting to to notice. Yeah, that's really good, actually. I've noticed that a little bit too. How um, they're being painted in a more positive light. Not even African Americans. Did you mention um, uh, like Latinos? Yeah, I mentioned that we're getting more representation for both Blacks and Latinos. What was the new series that came out on Netflix? Was it Selena? There's a Selena series on Netflix? Yeah. I didn't know that. Well, there's a new um, Selena series on Netflix, and it's like number one right now on the entire website, where everyone's talking about it. And that's just like one example of how they're being painted in a more positive light. I've also (laughs) noticed that these big companies are like merging um, Latino like Latino Hispanic shows into their um um what'd you call them? Their what? But like like Netflix, I think. I don't know if, I don't know if it was Netflix or HBO, but they're like merging in a bunch of like Hispanic television like Hispanic shows into their like streaming service. So it's like interesting. I mean, we've noticed that like satellite companies have done this, but like, I don't know, I guess the continuous adding of like Hispanic, I mean, I I don't know. I don't know. I don't think that's a big improvement. I I just, I don't know. I think it was important to add that at least, you know, you're still seeing Hispanic shows and stuff to like keep on the culture, I guess. Yeah, it's actually real cool. Where are you seeing that? Mm-hmm. Seeing it more on television? Uh, no, I think it was HBO. They're just like straight up adding a bunch of like Hispanic shows to their streaming service. Netflix, I'm not sure because you know how Netflix just makes their like originals. Uh-huh. But still, you're still getting, you're still seeing a bunch of like shows from like like Hispanic countries. Like, I think Money Heist. I think that's, like, a Spanish show from, like, Spain. Yes. Which has become, like, really popular. And, you know, it's kind of, like, it's kind of important for these shows to become popular because that just, like, creates more representation for, you know, our people. Yeah, it does. It's tight. Anything you want to add to it or anything else you think that we're missing? Just all in all. From all the units we read and stuff. I think the biggest takeaway from everything is that for me personally, that I'm more aware of what's happening around us in society right now. And how it's um in a way affecting us and affecting our society. But we're moving in a more um I don't want to say a linear direction. 
what we're trying to say is that like we we're not perfect. We still have our flaws, but we're still moving forward, yeah. right? Yeah, I get what you mean. Like you can kind of like see that. Like obviously, we have police brutality. We have all all these like negative issues that are still impacting our country, but yet I think a majority still is positive. You can still see progress. You can still but, see that in a way we still have like united. we're still united. Hello? Yeah. Yeah, I'm still here. I'm sorry. My okay, yeah, like you were saying, it's more in a linear direction than anything else. Which is actually really good for what's happening. Because, like, even though we see like a division in America, I would say this is more of a, like a political division because we still have both sides. Meaning, um, like, what I'm trying to say is like we still have both African Americans and both you know, the left and the right. But, like, at the end, you know, we're all Americans and we still find ways to still be friends despite political beliefs Mm -hmm. that try to separate us. I mean, sometimes it's effective with many people, but for many people, despite being different uh, political-wise, they still have many similarities in other areas. So, yeah, we have our flaws. But um, I think there's more positivity than negativity, more progress, you know? Yeah, there is. There's a lot more progression. And I guess you could say, let me interrupt you real quick. And like, as you can say that it's evident in this election because the people chose Biden as their president, along with the first female vice president. So, yeah, there's progress has been made, as you can see. Yeah, progress, it's a lot better than it was in the 50s or even before that. Yeah, not only is the vice president a woman, she's also a minority woman. Yeah, she's African-American, right? She's half or is she? I, I don't know what her race is. I just know she's a minority. I think she's... I, I think she's like East Asian, South Asian. I'm not sure. Whatever she is, she's doing good for us, the minorities out here. We're getting represented, especially women too. Yep, especially women. Everyone's, we're moving towards a more progressive era where everyone's being included. And hopefully later on, we might finally get our first female president. But as of now, having a vice president, it's it's a huge deal. Let's just wrap it all up. I think me and you are can say we're both aware of what's going on because of the meetings and stuff. And even with that, we're just, I guess, in a way more, what's the word? Educated, informed, mm-hmm. more informed about what's going on around us because of the readings and stuff that we've been writing about, talking about. And even today, we're more informed because of how we talked about it on the podcast and stuff. Yeah, we didn't know much. Like, we didn't even know that, like, that racism, like, racism still happened in 
Arizona schools where they didn't tolerate Spanish. So that's something very interesting to know because now we're more informed about it. Now we know about it and we can do something about Even it. Even with that, like with Gloria's book, we're more aware of the struggles of mixed racial people. And even into other units, we're more aware of um, political aspects, social aspects. And so I guess like micro aspects between personal opinions from authors and people about the racial aspects of what other people go through and how they're fighting against it. So, yeah, well, I think we're going to have to wrap it up here. I think we discussed every point. We made our statement uh, mm -hmm. clear. And um, this is it. Uh, so, yeah, Professor, this is it. Thank you for watching and yep. uh, have a if great day. You even got this far. It's <laughs> <laughs> 40 minutes ago. You probably just going to watch it to like the 20th minute. Or no, no. Five minutes in, he's just going to give us an A. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah I guess I'm gonna finish it right here well have a yeah, great day Brian.